Now, we're, we're still talking about hope here, and we're talking about, about hope and the world of business, hope and the business world. This is a part two of a message that we, or study that we started last week, how to keep hope alive when it's tough at work. How to keep hope alive when it's tough at work. And here's one of the ways that's done. It's to understand that there are reasons, there are reasons why you have that job. There are reasons why you're there. Lord, I ask you to please just open our hearts up to your truth. Open our hearts up to your heart, Lord. I pray that you would take this beyond the realm of words and you would take it into the realm of life. And that as we hear these statements from your scripture and we hear the truths that are expressed there, that it will immediately turn into hope and life within us and that we will find what we're needing to get from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to offer for you four things this morning that can help keep hope alive when it's tough at work. Now, the first one, when I say it, you're going to want to throw something at me. And, and I've been working on my lateral moves and my vertical bobs, and so I'm, I'm planning on missing whatever comes this way. But here it is. Here it is, two words. Give thanks. Give thanks. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul makes it clear for us in everything, in the middle of everything. Not necessarily for everything, but in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give him thanks. Well, so, so how, how, and for what am I to give the Lord thanks for in the middle of this mess of a job? that I have. Well, here's, here's one reason. Here's one reason to give the Lord thanks if you're in the middle of a tough work situation. You can give him thanks because he has given you a place to serve him. He has given you a place to serve him. Find in your Bibles, if you will, this passage from the Apostle Paul, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22. Now, this is written to slaves. You'll understand that this was far long before the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was ever drafted by Lincoln and his group adopted here in 1865. This is, this is the first century A.D., so slaves had not been liberated. Slaves were still very much a part of the population, and to some degree, slaves were a part of the early church. Their masters would give them permission to attend the meetings, evidently. Some were given that permission. But they were nonetheless not just employees. They were not just indentured servants. They were bought and owned property, and Paul addresses them when he says in verse 22, slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, reverencing, respecting honoring the Lord. He continues, and the context is slaves, okay? Whatever you do, do your work heartily. Do your work with all your heart as for the Lord rather than for men. You do your work as doing your work for the Lord. You do your work for the Lord. 
knowing, verse 24, that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. He's saying there are some jobs that are going to be difficult. There are some jobs that are going to be long. There are some jobs from which you will never, ever get the attaboy that you deserve, the good job that you deserve. But if you understand that you're not really serving an earthly master, you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ when you do what you do. Then you will understand that when it is time for you to receive the praise that is due your work, you will get it, but not necessarily from the earthly side, but you'll get it from the Lord God, your Father himself. So thank him. Thank him as if Paul is saying, slaves, employees, workers for another, working for the man. You do what you do, you do your job with all your heart, not just meeting the minimums, not just doing it with an outward kind of expression, but he's saying, let your heart get engaged in your work and do your work with all your heart as you would be doing it directly for the Lord. And understanding, this is an, I don't know any other place where Paul puts it like this. It is the Lord Christ whom you were serving. He's not talking to missionaries. He's not talking to pastors. He's not talking to Sunday school teachers with an assignment to teach the word. He's talking to slaves, employees, I might say, that would be relevant, certainly more relevant to us today, but in any kind of job, it, there, there are no limits to the scope of what a slave or an employee might have assigned to do. But he's saying, no matter what it is, you do what you do with all your heart. That's going to mean with the best that you can do it. And you do it realizing that the Lord Jesus Christ is interested in what you're doing and how you're spending your time. And you do it so to please him, to please him, doing what I'm doing, to please the Lord. So therefore, if nobody's looking over my shoulder, if nobody's checking the clock, if nobody's after me and on me, I'm still going to give it everything I have to give because I'm not doing it for the boss or for the clock. I'm doing it as under the Lord. Let your light, Jesus would say, so shine before men so that they may see your good works. They see how you do your work, how well you do your work, the energy with which you do it, the team player that you are in the organization, and they will end up giving glory to your father, though they may not even know him. But they see the way you do your work. I understand. I don't know how we could imagine a more difficult job situation than to have the assignment of a slave. No, no, no personal rights, no wages paid, no court of appeal, uncertain future. You could not just, you wouldn't have the opportunity to choose in the job. You could literally be sold from where you are, bought by another put in a completely different place. Paul is saying, slaves, don't, don't make any mistake about it. You're, 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 not, you're not random. You're, you're not disconnected your heart to God's heart. You, he, he knows about you. He knows where you are. And you have the opportunity to bless him and please him in a way down here on this earth that you'll never have when you get to heaven. So take advantage of it. Serve with all your heart. Work with all your heart. Do it as unto the Lord Christ. Therefore, we say, if you want hope to stay strong in your heart, 
in a tough job situation. You, you figure out a way, find a way to pull over under shade tree, sit yourself down on a chair somewhere and just haul off and say to the Lord, thank you for this job. Thank you for giving me a place to serve you. You say, well, I want to serve the Lord and I could really serve God if I was a preacher or if I was a missionary. If I, no, 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 no. This, you, you get to serve him right where you are. And the validation of, of serving the Lord out there away from a church setting or a pulpit is incredibly strong. <laughs> you just say, and the Lord is involved in everything you're involved in. He knows everything that you're doing and you serve him right where you are with all you've got. And you will receive the applause of heaven. You'll receive the reward when the time comes. Give him thanks. But also, not just for the place to serve, but give him thanks for the paycheck. Thank you, Lord, for the paycheck. How many of us driving up to that to that bank, that, that mobile bank deposit thing and writing that check out, sticking in that little cubicle thing, does the, does the insertion of that material, that check and deposit slip into that deal, how, much, how often is that accompanied with, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It may be a sorry place to work, but they're paying you to do it. <laughs> All right? And, and if, if they're paying you to do it, that means that the result of what you are paid allows you to have certain things, do certain things, and go certain places. Whereas if you didn't have the paycheck, if you didn't have the money, you couldn't have what you have and do what you do. Thank you, Lord, not only for a place to serve you, but a paycheck in my pocket. My children have milk in the refrigerator. My children have clothes on their back. My car's got four tires all up, up at the same time. It wouldn't happen if I wasn't getting a paycheck. Now, folks, listen, this is, this is the truth. You don't have to know Jesus in your heart to find something to complain about. You don't have to know the Lord to be negative and to see everything as impossible and everything in dark colors. We don't need Jesus, but here, here, here's, here's what we need him for. Now, may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope, overflow with hope, ever vest with hope, radiate hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is an expression of the power of the Holy Spirit working in your heart in a sorry job to have hope and joy and peace. And that is expressed in thankfulness. Lord, I want to thank you for every red cent, every silver dime, every green dollar in this check. You, Lord, you know I feel like I earned it, and I feel like I may have earned some more than this. But I want to thank you. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for my paycheck. Somewhere along the line, we get this crazy idea that the world owes us a living, that the company, some company is obligated to pay me for something. They ain't, excuse me, they aren't. <laughs> they aren't. Those expressions are an expression even though the conduit may not be pure and may not be all that clean and may not be all that righteous, but every good and perfect gift 
comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow or variableness of change. In other words, everything good, everything good comes from God. Now, there may be some middlemen in the process, but if it's good and it gets to you, it comes from God. He's blessing you, and it just makes sense to thank him. Instead of whining about, moaning about who it's coming through and how little it is. Talking about hope. We're talking about hope. You've got the choice of hope less, a hope less working experience or a hopeful working experience. Everybody who's ever had a job has been through a season that it wasn't all fun. It wasn't all easy. It wasn't all good. Next Sunday, right here, Lord willing, I want to look forward to sharing this time with Geronimo Jorge, JJ, known to us. JJ is a full-blown director now of the HEB organization. He started 26 years ago as a sanitation worker in the warehouses on Ritterman Road. Came to San Antonio from Los Angeles with a gang background. Ends up in San Antonio The Lord Jesus Christ comes into his heart, didn't change his shoe size, didn't change his eye color, same JJ, but God put within that young man a willingness to work and a desire not to quit and a desire to do things the best that he could and some abilities and skills that he didn't even know he had. But as time went on, H-E-B noticed it. And they would afford him training and afford him opportunities. You may hear about some of that. Until today, right now, today, he is a full-blown director of the entire H-E-B organization. is the IT director. I don't even, I'm, I'm, I'm so stupid, I don't even know what I and T stand for. But I just know that it's, It's complicated. (laughs) Hundreds of people under him. A whole division that H-E-B is connected with in India. He's regularly back and forth from India. He he and Annie have been a part of Alamo City for nearly all the 30 years we've been around here. We've tracked it with him, seen him, and all the different challenges that he put through. I I just, I want you to, I want you to hear this fella talk about how the Lord has given him what he needed when he wasn't even sure he could ever handle a responsibility to take an assignment, but the Lord just kept him hanging in there and not quitting and not spending all the time on what hadn't happened, but focusing on what God has done for him. Powerful testimony of the life of Jesus in a, in a young man's life and in Annie's life as well. So that, that's going to be next Sunday. So I, I wish you'd just spread the word. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we had Ricky Dixon, the, the vice president of, of marketing and sales for, for Bluebell ice cream, talking about the, the, the comeback of the century, Bluebell returning. And, but how God was working in the situation, and he had, a, he had men, and, and Ricky was one of them, positioned in a place where what God was doing in them would be just what the company was going to need at a tough time. Folks, listen, tough times are coming. You're never going to have the perfect job. You're never going to have the perfect boss. It's not always going to be profit, 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 profit. So what do we do in those times? If we're living with our soul anchored to the visible, then we can be disappointed just like everybody else would be disappointed. But if we hold on to it in our hearts, as we spoke of last week, that the only things that are eternal are the things you can't see. Everything visible, everything you can see is temporary. So when I have my hope anchored in the goodness of God, I have my hope anchored in what he has called me to be, his son, his daughter, forever a part of his will, then I can ride some of these things out. And I'm just telling you, 
Smart organizations, smart corporations, smart entities have a way, as they did with JJ, as they did with Ricky. They, they watch these young men. They notice them as they come up. They, they'll, they'll offer an opportunity to get more training. And if you take it, they note that. They'll put you in a difficult situation, a challenging situation, see what you do. Do you freak out? Will you hang in? Are you a team player? Are you the prima donna? How will you work? They, they work it and they watch it and they see. And as time goes on, the old guys that were watching you back then, one of these days, they're going to get so old, they're just going to fall off the other side and there's going to be somebody to take their place. But they've been watching to see who they can entrust their authority to. And if you've proven yourself, you hadn't quit, person of integrity, on time, get the job done right, get it done well, your contribution to the organization, then hey, you may have been a gang banger in the east side of LA, but if as time goes on and the power of Jesus has been working to work inside your heart and excellence has risen and the embedded potential that you didn't even know you have, but now it's beginning to have an opportunity to express itself, they notice it and you're called forth. JJ, Geronimo, would you come and take over the entire IT division of HEB? Okay, my, my point in all of this is not to be talking a bunch of talk that you can shut the door on as you close your Bible or your little notes and never even think about this until you come back into church next Sunday. Folks, and I know, I know I say this, I'm going to say this is the halftime. This is not the game. This is not where points are scored. This is not where the won or loss is determined. The church house is the, is the halftime. Out yonder is where it really counts. What you do out there for him is far more significant than what you could ever do in a church building raising hands, dancing steps, clapping to the songs, nodding your head at the preacher, patting him on the back as he spits and sweats. It's out yonder. It's Monday morning with you where you work. It's when tough news comes in one more time. What do you do with it? Just like everybody else in the office, freak out, cry, want to go get stoned, or is it, wait a minute, Lord, the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman, you've said, I'm trying to be good and you're making me good by the power of your spirit. The steps of a good man ordered by the Lord and you delight in my way. When I fall, I'll not be cast headlong because you're the one who has a hold of my hand. Now, Lord, I feel like I'm slipping and I feel like I may be about to be in midair but I believe that you have me here because you wanted me here. You put me here by your design. I don't understand it, but I'm going to thank you for this place to stand. I'm going to thank you for the paychecks because they provide for the needs that I have in my family. And I'm going to thank you for the people that you got me in the middle of. We'll come back to that in a minute. Not everybody you work with is a jerk. A fair enough statement? Not, not, not everybody is an idiot. The whole company is not a jerk. God has a way of opening our eyes to folks who are really good people and good gifts from him that may not be way up the organizational chart. They may be somewhere in the middle or somewhere off the bottom. But when you're around them, there's something about who they are and the way they are that you're just invigorated and you, you enjoy being around them. And they may be a Christian, they may not be a Christian, but you enjoy them and they're good people. Every good thing that comes from heaven and comes our way is a gift from God. Lord, I want to thank you for that guy, every time I walk by him, he's got something going on, something makes me laugh, something makes me smile. 
if, if you hadn't figured out that the Lord has a sense of humor, then you need to go down here to the preschool, the nursery, and just hang out in there and watch those little humans do what those little <laughs> humans do. And where'd they come from? They came from him. He knows how to lift our hearts. A, a, a merry heart makes the soul strong. It, it, a smile is a good thing. I, I'm just, I'm just kind of rambling here a little bit, but, but I just want to say it. Some of us are so, are so spiritual or so Christian in the, in the stretch sense of the word that, that, that we're just not even relevant. We can't even enjoy a good smile or a good laugh or, or, or just somebody being funny and in a, in a clean sort of way. And I'm talking about the dirt stuff, but, but they're just, that's just the most interesting person I've ever been around. I want to be around that person. Some of them think, well, if he's not quoting scripture and if he didn't have a 45 pound Bible and if he hadn't repented from 4,000 things and I don't know that he, he might contaminate me if I get right. Get a life. If that's your attitude, you're irrelevant to your culture. Jesus was not irrelevant to his culture. He was engaged. If I'll hush up and get on, you'll, you'll understand where I'm going with that. How to keep hope alive. Get some thanks in your heart. Get some thanks in your heart. Thank you for the place you've given me to be, Lord. Paul was assigned a prison cell for a number of years of his life. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks. Okay, now here's one. Here's a second one how to keep hope alive. Give back. Give back. Give back. Give thanks, but give back. Now, now don't, don't turn me off. Listen to this. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe, first 10% of your income into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, Pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord. Give back. This is, this is, just, this is just an amazing truth. Do you know one of the reasons why you may be working for one of the most godless, Christ-rejecting amoral organizations on the face of the earth. You know why? As a Christian, why you would be put there? <laughs> it's because the Lord knows that when they write you a check for X, and that's all 10X, you're going to take the first X and write that, give that to the Lord. So that these godless ones these amoral ones, these ones who, would, who think religion is just the opiate of the people and totally irrelevant and, and only the weak go there and, and anything that we can do to annihilate references to Christ and God in our culture, that's better. But you are taking a portion of what they pay you and you are giving it to support the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were doing what you're doing out of actual and direct funding from them to you to honor the very things that they so despise. I'm going to tell you, the Lord has a sense of humor. He says, watch this. So he'll bring someone into an organization who loves him, knows him, knows what the word of God says, and wants to honor him. And as the paychecks come, even that godless company is honoring the Lord through what you do with your money. God is able to make even his enemies <laughs> to praise him. Don't right. you think about that. One of the main reasons why you haven't been fired yet, and I believe this is true. One of the reasons why some believers will, will outlast different levels of, of organization and layoffs and so forth is because the Lord knows that in that place 
with the money that comes to them. They are going to honor him with not whatever is left over, not if I think about it, not if I'm emotionally moved, just because God has said the first 10% belongs to me, and if you will honor me with that, you watch what I will do. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out upon you a blessing too great to be contained. That has to do with material, yes, in time over time, sometimes sooner rather than later, but it just has to do with knowing as much as anything that God's heart is open to you. That when you need to stop and pray for somebody who's sick, your baby's got 105 degree fever. You don't know how in the world with, 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 the, with, with two tires going flat, how you're gonna be able to get the tires fixed and be able to make the utility note. Knowing that his heart is turned toward you, you don't have any hesitation saying, Lord, I need you to help me with this financial need. But if, 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 if we haven't been doing that, then there's an automatic hesitation. Why oh, couldn't God bring, bring God into that? Folks, listen, you bring the Lord into the dead center of your finances by honoring him with that which he says belongs to him. That's the first check you write. Do the math, do the math, do the math, get that done. Then it will astound you the freedom with which you have to then say when needs come, Lord, I need some help. I've honored you. And you have said, there have been, I need to read you a letter that a young couple sent to me back before the end of the year who had stepped into this matter of, of following that practice. And they weren't writing to say we've gotten a job with, with six figures and, and all of these, uh, these benefits and so forth. But just saying, Pastor, what we hadn't been able to understand is how God, when one thing dried up, one thing shut down, how God opened up another venue for us, opened up something else. He stretched it. He's made it go farther. And they're knowing, because they know what they're looking at in terms of dollars and cents, it's, it's stunning to them and miraculous to them that it's going farther than it has ever gone. That's why he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. I want to, just want to hang on that with you and encourage you, 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 you make it as a priority. Keep on making it as a priority to giving back, giving back, giving back, giving back. And you watch how the Lord will take care of you and how hope rises in you. You've done that. And then you, you read that verse, that, that rest of that Malachi 3.10, where he says, okay, you test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven for you. And you're able to say it's, 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 it's personal. Lord, I'm not irreverently testing you, but I've done what you said. And now you've given me the right to say, okay, Lord, will you do your part? And then to watch and see if you do. Give him thanks. Give back. Folks, listen, hope is a function of the Holy Spirit. Hope is a function of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Sin has a way of quenching the flow of the Holy Spirit through our lives. So if there's something that I know that displeases the Lord and I do it, then it can be possible that that which I need from the Spirit to encourage me, to keep my faith strong, that that begins to diminish too. It's not that he's stopped loving me. It's not that he's not worthy of trust. It's just that I have grieved the Holy Spirit, quenched the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul would say, you're going to walk in hope. So therefore, we need to just be making sure as best we know, but Lord, there's not anything that I'm doing that is quenching your spirit. Obeying him, obeying the Lord, doing what he's promised, that, that keeps us in the place of the free flowing work of the spirit. Let me give you one other, or I'm, I'm, actually two more, but I'm, I'm gonna try to hit this one real fast. Give thanks, give back, keep your hope alive, but pray blessings. Pray blessings. You mean to tell me that I'm supposed to be praying a blessing, asking God to bless the sorriest humans who have ever called themselves bosses or board of directors? Jeremiah 29, I want to read two verses out of Jeremiah chapter 29. 
The context is exiles, the remaining living Jewish people who survived the obliteration of Jerusalem and the sacking of the temple by Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian armies are now in Babylon. They have been taken and they're being forced to live in Babylon. Here's what the Lord says to them through the prophet Jeremiah. Seek, verse 7, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, on the behalf of Babylon. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. Now let me ask you a question. Or do you pray for your company? Do you pray for the organization that you work for? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to pray for them. But what I'd like to pray is that, that, that they just get their judgment. Well, if they get their judgment, you know what's going to happen to you? Huh? If, 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 the, if the organization, if the, if, the, if the entity begins to constrict, if the entity begins to disintegrate, all those who are somehow connected to the entity are going to be materially affected by the shrinkage. The heart of God was not just to bless Babylon. They were pagan, godless in many ways, brutal and cruel against his people. But what he was most concerned about was the well-being of his own people. They happened to be, for this season in their lives, Exiled to Babylon. And the Lord is saying to them, you pray for the welfare. You pray for good things to happen to the city of Babylon. Because as the city of Babylon is blessed, you're going to be taken care of. You say, well, I, I, I didn't know I could pray for my company. My company is just, it's just, it's just this, that, and this, that, and the other. We'll put them right up next to Nebuchadnezzar. Put them right up next to Babylon. All of the wickedness, all, the, all of the sickness morally of that situation and, and, and religiously how contaminated they were. But God is saying, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is my timing, the judgment part. That's my job. But there was a season, it was going to be a season of 70 years that the Jewish people were going to have to stay in Babylon before there would ever be a return to their land. 70 years. Judgment would be held off on Babylon for 70 years. So what was to happen to the people who were his people who were there? He wanted them to be taken care of. He wanted them to bless. He wanted to prosper them even in a place of exiled captivity. So he says, you, you give your sons to wives. You give your, your daughters to husbands. You have children, you settle down, and you pray for the welfare of Babylon because in the welfare of Babylon is your welfare. Folks, if they're paying your bills, giving you a check, if there, if there, are, some, if, if, if there are benefits that are coming your way and, and, and not only your family but whoever else you feel led to, if, 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 that, if that's the way God has chosen to provide for those needs, Thank him for it. Pray for his blessings to continue. Even if it is a godless place in terms of leadership, God is bigger than that godlessness. And he cares about you. You matter to him. And milk in your refrigerator matters to him. And clothes on your back and health that you would live. It matters to him. It matters to him. It matters to him. And so for now, you may be working for a difficult organization. But as God takes care of the difficult organization, he's also taking care of you and he's really going for you. Can somebody say, I'm thinking about that preacher. That's okay. I'm, huh? Are y'all here? Are you hearing that? Now here's my question. If this is the word of God and this is true, are you praying for the company and the people that you work with? Are you? Well, we need to be. See? Pray for the blessing upon those that if they profit, if they are doing well, then we're taken care of. We have permission to pray for them. Okay. Pray blessings. Pray blessings. Look at verse 11. 
For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and to give you a hope. You know what the Lord's saying? This is just a temporary situation. I know the plans I've got for you, and it's not forever be a slave to Babylon, to not be an exile to Babylon. I know the plans I've got for you. And they're good plans, and they're not limited plans. They're good plans. Good plans. All right, number four, how to keep hope alive. Give thanks. Give back. Pray blessings. Keep fishing. No, that's what I said. Keep fishing. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. The term men is obviously indicative of the entire human race, male and female, older, younger, regardless of ethnicity, marital status, so forth. You follow me, and what will happen is I will cause you to become fishers of men. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. And I mean this as strongly as I can express it. Read the life of Jesus. Read Mark. Read Luke. Read Matthew. Read John. And I prefer to recommend it in that order. Mark is the shortest of the four. Mark is about the actions of Jesus, what he did. The other gospels will have more about what Jesus said. Jesus embodied Micah 6.8. You know, O man, what the Lord requires of you. That you do what's right. You love compassion. You love mercy. And you walk humbly with your God. Jesus Christ, God in a human body who walked this earth, was animated by compassion, by mercy. It wouldn't matter if it was children being brought to him who were sick, or adults who were older who couldn't walk or who couldn't see or couldn't move their arms, or if it was someone who was grieving over the loss of a loved one. It was the compassion of Jesus that pressed him into the lives of those people. And because they felt that compassion coming from him, they were drawn to him. Physical needs, bodily needs, broken hearts, broken lives, those were the ones he fished for because those were the ones who would take the bait he would say, I didn't come for the ones who aren't sick because they don't need a physician. But I came for the ones who are sick because they have need of healing. Folks, where you work, there are people. There are people. And there can be many of them, but God may just show you one at a time, a few. There are people, broken-hearted thirsty, needy people. But if you are so mad about the sorry job that you've got and what a lousy way things have turned out for you, you may walk by them every day, park next to them for five years and never have it in your heart to notice the brokenness in their lives and that being the reason why you know them. It, 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 it won't just be the physical brokenness, but it's astonishing the way Jesus made a public point to gravitate toward 
the tax gatherers, and the sinners. Matthew, Mark will record the call of, of Matthew. His name before was Levi. As we've said, you pick out the most despicable lifestyle that you can come up with, the most dishonorable profession that you can come up with. You take the name of that in our culture and you insert the name of that in place of tax gatherers and collectors, and that would be who it was. And Jesus called Matthew, come follow me, Mark will say. And then the, the next verse talks about Jesus spending the evening with him, having dinner with him. But it just says that all these other tax gatherers were showing up there too. Now let me ask you, do you think they were playing Amazing Grace as the folks came in? Do you think there was some Christian movie on the screen going on up here? Do you think nobody ever took God's name in vain that whole evening? Do you think Jesus just spent the whole time telling them how sorry they were and how many commandments they'd broken and how, how ticked off Moses was at them because they didn't pay attention to him? No. He went there and he had supper with them and he talked with them. But he listened to them. Now what was he doing? Was he trying to promote a particular lifestyle? No, they were diametrically opposed to the purity of his life. But he cared about them. They weren't going to show up in church. They weren't going to show up at the temple. They weren't going to do anything at some synagogue locally. If they were going to get exposed to the love of God besides just what phony plastic preachers would show them, he needed to go to where they were. And he did. And it wasn't a drive-through Taco Cabana. I'd like, you know, some brisket egg tacos and get it done quick. I'm out of here. Those meals would last three, four, five hours, a whole blooming evening. And it's so frustrated and so confused. The religious police, the religious elite, that they were saying to his disciples, how come he's doing this? Doesn't he know his reputation could be tarnished? I mean, well, how can we trust him as a rabbi if he's hanging out with these people? And Jesus addressed their words. And that's when he said, I didn't come for well people. I came for those who are sick and need to be healed. Folks, now let me tell you something about fishing for men. There'll be some super spiritual religious nerds. That's a Bible word, nerd. I'm not sure where, but it's in there somewhere. That can get all over you about what do you mean you're being nice to this people? How come you're saying so? How come you've got to relate? What are people going to think about that? Just tell them to just go jump off a local bridge somewhere. Because what they are saying makes proof the virtual impotence of the church in our culture. We're so ticked at this group. We're so ticked at that group. We're so upset with this group. We can't stand that group. And this one's so godless that all we do is just run and look at each other and talk about how spiritual we are and quote our verses of scripture and sing our songs and do our church stuff. And the world can go to hell and we don't care a flip. That is not Jesus. The game is out there. This is the cut and pick and half time. This is not where you win the game. The broken and the lonely and the desperate are where you work in your parking lot, in your elevators, two seats down from your computer. Somebody that you're calling, some contact that you're working on. And here's what'll happen. You'll just be going along minding your own business. And all of a sudden, you'll find rising up from the inside of you something called compassion. And you just find the softness working in your heart. And this interest 
rise in your heart. You know what? I'm, they told me I got I to gotta follow this protocol in order to get close this deal. But you got the protocol working over here and you got the spirit of God working in you over here. And you end up just saying, well, I have to handle the protocol later if it even comes to, man, can you just, can you just tell me how I can pray for you? I, I, I heard, I heard that your father died. I heard that your son was in trouble. I, now, why would you even know them if God hadn't arranged you to be in their lives for that moment? Jesus would say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The most eternal thing that you or I will ever do is what has to do with the invisible soul of a man or woman. Paychecks are going to come and go. Promotions will rise and fall. Companies will be here one day and gone the next. But the souls of people live and last forever. You may still be right where you are in your work assignment because there are people God knows that you will have the heart and are having the heart to touch and to encourage and to bless now, let me throw something else at this. It's going to be a real controversial statement for some of you. Show me in the scripture with Jesus. When he was healing people and casting out demons and walking over to a man who had been 38 years flat of his back and, and asking him what he wanted him to do for him, the man told him. He raised him up. The man left. Didn't even know who Jesus was. Do you have to pray through a sinner's prayer with everybody you meet in order for God to really believe that you were used in that setting to help? I want to say to you, no. No. There are many steps along the way from moving to, from pre-Christian, pre-conversion to full-blown born-again believer. Hundreds, if not thousands of small steps moving this way. The spirit of the person being worked on begins to be opened more and more, but this person who is at the very last of the line who pray leads them through a sinner's prayer to receive Jesus is at the tail end of the continuum. It may have started way back over here years before with you sitting next to them and just being nice to them, just treating them with respect, just treating them with integrity, being the same with them as you would be anywhere else, with hope rising up in you and speaking encouragement. I think I asked the group last week, how many of you, before you came to know the Lord, really came to know Jesus in your heart. I want you to raise your hand again. How many of you would say, I was positively affected by someone who must have really known Jesus as Savior before I ever came to the Lord? Out in the workplace, out yonder, how many of you would say, I was positively affected before I ever came to know the Lord? See, that's how it works. That's how it works. You follow me, he says, and I'll turn you into <laughs> a fisher of men. I'll turn your heart in such a way that you will love compassion. You will love mercy. And you'll be a blessing to people. So, so why are you still where you are? Maybe it's because in a way that you hadn't in a while or maybe ever, just start giving him thanks. You don't owe me this, God. I don't have to have this. I'm not entitled to this. You have blessed me with a place to serve you, even though all the ones there don't know you and surely don't love you. But you've given me, you've given me a place where they're providing a paycheck for me and where there are people that are have been a blessing to me 
want to give back, Lord. I want to give back. I want to give back. Activating the promise of hope, Malachi 3.10. Pray blessings. Right, folks, listen. If you just start this, I mean, you, you don't even have to wait till in the morning. Begin to pray the Lord's blessing on your company. Lord, will you, will you bless my boss? Will you bless the superiors? Will you bless them? Will you bless them? And here's how you can pray it. And it's a true prayer. Lord, will you just bless them with what you know they need? <laughs> That's not saying bless them with another million dollars or bless them with a franchise expansion in another state. Lord, I want you to just bless them with what you know they need. And if it's repentance that they need, he's the only one who can change their mind. If it's something else that you could never provide for them that only he can do, it's still the blessing of the Lord, no matter what it is. If it comes to man, comes to women, it's good. Lord, would you bless them? And then keep fishing. Keep fishing. Now remember what I'm saying to you. I'm going to stop here. You may not see the whole time you're working at a job, the people whom God has ordained, placed next to you and around you in relationship with you, you may never notice that they're hungry fish, that their hearts are broken, that they're poor in spirit. If you stay consumed over what a raw deal you've got with that job, then it is all about you and not the bigger picture. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So send I you. He's not going except through us. Except through us. Sometimes it's just as simple as just saying, when you have the time, when it rises, but you've got some kind of relationship that you can say this, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? I've got a guy that helps me hear. I, I wear these, I wear hearing aids because, mainly because I, I can't hear when Shirley's hollering at me and I, I know I need to, need to make sure that I hear what she says and but I didn't take care of my ears with shooting and stuff, and so I have a problem with that. The guy that helps me with my hearing aids out in the medical center. Good, good guy, great business. I had to go see him the other day, and, and um, we, we, got to, we got to going along, and <laughs> he had took one of my hearing aids, and he, and he dropped it on the floor. And this is a professional guy. I mean, everything he's got is starched, you know. I mean, he's professional guy, but he, he dropped that hearing aid on the floor and he let out a little four-letter deal. And I, because we have this kind of friendship, I said, man, don't, don't be talking like that. You know, just, he knows I'm, he said, he calls me the reverend. Hey, reverend. <clears throat> so I said, I said, don't be, don't be, talk, don't be talking like that. Well, he reached, he reached out to pick it. He got back up and he said, my daddy was in the Navy. And he, and that's, I learned it from him. And I said, don't be blaming on your daddy. He's been dead for a long time. And we laughed about it, we chuckled about it, and then, but then I said, as this thing was working in me, I just, I just, I just want, if, you, you, if something will go off, and we just want to connect at a deeper level of the things that are forever with that guy, that his soul, his spirit. And I said, called his name, I said, what, 2017 New Year's starting, how can I pray for you? And I mean, it was like he had a prepared speech ready. No, no, it wasn't. Let me think about it a minute. It was, he just opened his mouth and went for about, about three or four minutes. He said, I, he said, listen, if you just pray for me, that I can keep having these good friends that are part of this business here. Just, I, if you just pray that God will bless me with, the, with those kind of friends. And then, then if, you'll, if you'll just bless these doctors who, 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 who make referrals and send business my way, you'd pray about that, would you? It just rattled it off. And so at the tail end of, you know, them hooking me up to computers and stuff, we prayed. And, you know, everything, everything that he talked about, I just, we just briefly went back to the Lord.
I walked away from there just, you know, just smiling. I said, Lord, now that's just really interesting. I didn't know that I was going to ask him that question. But some way or another, he was already prepared with an answer for the question. Here's how you can pray for me. Folks, listen. The compassion of Jesus, which is the way we fish for people, the compassionate Jesus, the compassion of Jesus is natural. It's easy. It's got a lot of joy in it. And there's power that flows through it. Go fishing. Go fishing. Go fishing. 